Hey everybody, thanks so much for meeting with me today. Look, I've got an idea that's going to change the way that you all do business. Sure, I just uh, need to share my screen really quickly here. Mom! Mom! Mom, you know who my charger hey, is? Hey, 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 your dad's on a very important phone call. You know who my charger is? This stupid class starts in three minutes. Just give me two seconds, just two seconds. Would you get your kids? Get them. Do something with them. Timmy. Don't you dare! Ugh. I would have okay. been like a nasty. Okay, I'm gonna give y'all about two seconds before I fight one of y'all. Hey, my nuggets caught fire in the kitchen. Wait, my dinosaur chicken nuggets are burned? I guess, but you don't leave yours. <sighs> no, my nuggies. They made even know they were mine. Oh, so this is my fault now. Yes, it is. Bullet mode! Oh, hey, man. Any time for this? Just right there, in the box. You'll give me like two seconds, man. Dude, are you crying? Felix? No. Okay. Felix? Do you just need to reschedule? No, no, I'm... Everything's perfect. I'm great. Can you sign? Okay. A real call with executive. I'll forge it. Church face. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Church face uh, looks like a lot of our lives lately, doesn't it? Anybody relate? Come on, raise your hands high. So look around the room. You know you're not alone. And this type of life has, uh, life has definitely changed in our world. Amen? And so we're going to talk about that over the next six weeks or so. And, and uh, the main thing that we want to really get across in our, and get into our hearts is this. There's a lot going on, and God doesn't want us to hold up this perfect face. He wants us to deal with what's going on in our hearts and our lives today. Amen? All right, so there's a couple of things we're going to do before we dive into this message, uh, and one of the things that I want to say that is very, very, very important to Sherry and I here at this campus, uh, we have the largest number of families of any of our campus, percentage-wise. We have the largest number of families uh, here at the Hamilton Mill campus, and that, I think, is very reflective of the suburbs. It's just where families tend to live and where they tend to move and, and live, um, and one of the things that's really, really, really important to us is this. Marriage is very important to us. That deserved at least a, a something. <laughs> and here's why it's important to us. The fall of every great nation began with the fall of the family. And we're seeing the families fall like flies in America. Not just outside the church, but inside the church. And uh, I just don't have the mindset that says that's okay and we'll just take what we get. I say we can change that. That also deserved a response. I can see today I'm going to have to tell you when to respond. That deserves a response. Why? Because when our families are strong, our churches are strong, our communities are strong, our workplaces are strong, all around us is strong. And so something that we want to make sure is that you 
have the best chance at success in your marriage here at this campus. And so in order for us to do that, we wanted to make sure that we have leadership in place for that. And uh, Matt and Angel Rigsby are, are our central uh, marriage ministry leads, and they have done a phenomenal job. And uh, one of the things that we want to see is from what they have done at the, in the central way, bring it out to the campus in a more prominent way. And so we have identified, this is Matt and Angel Rigsby. Can we give them a hand today? And so one of the things that we did was we began to pray and say, Lord, who would you have lead this area of ministry for us here at this campus? And as we prayed and Matt and Angel prayed, there was one uh, couple that came to mind, and it is Mike and Annie Hernandez. Can you welcome Mike and Annie? You might also see Mike working uh, security, and just let's just say <laughs> we're all safer when he does. And Annie serves in our children's ministry as well. But these are going to be our campus leads for marriage ministry here at the Hamilton Mill campus. And so one of the things that's really important is for us to, one, acknowledge it, but two, to lay hands on them, to pray for them, and to set them in place so that they walk in the anointing that we believe is on their life, uh, that God has placed on them uh, for marriage uh, ministry here at the uh, Hamilton Mill campus. And so we're going to pray for them today. And it's not a spectator sport. I want you to stretch your hands forward, and I want you to pray with us because we're going to believe that God is going to heal, save, and strengthen every marriage here at our campus. So let's pray. God, we thank you for Mike and Annie. We thank you for this season for them. Father, we thank you for sending them to us. And God, we pray a special anointing and blessing on them in this season. Yes, we pray, Jesus. God, that you would give them divine wisdom and strength and discernment. Father, that you would give them, you'd fully equip them for what they're to do here at this campus yes. for the marriages of victory, God. So I thank you, God, for sending them to us. I thank you, God, for them being obedient to the calling, God, and stepping out in faith, Father, to do what you've called them to do, God. And we call them blessed Yes. In this season, yes. in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. You. All right. Well, uh, we're excited for them. And there's a couple, one other thing I want to talk to you about, I want to tell you about. Uh, when you came into our children's area, how many of you have kids that are in children's ministry or middle school ministry? Raise your hands. Hi. When you came in, how many of you noticed there's some things changing down in our kids' area? You've probably been noticing that over the past few months. Uh, one of the things is when we build healthy families, we do build healthy families through building healthy marriages, but we also believe this, that there is no junior Holy Spirit. So when your children are here, that they are receiving the same type of ministry that you're receiving. We believe that God speaks to children. We believe that God moves through children. We believe that God's anointing is upon children just as much as it is upon adults. And so one of the things that we've been really, really focusing on is uh, strengthening and growing our children's ministry because we want to see God move in a very powerful way, not just in here, but across every room uh, where people are gathered and they're hearing the word, they're worshiping and they're praying and they're, they're listening for God. And so uh, last weekend, we had 36 children make a first-time commitment to Jesus. Thirty-six, first time. And we had a lot of them respond to prayer and all different kinds of things. But 36 made a first-time commitment uh, to Jesus. And so one of the things that we're doing uh, back in our, our children's areas, one is I want you as parents, when you drop your children off, to know it's safe. And right now, it, it, we, we need some work on our safety. And so we're about to install some doors and things of that nature which, so that when services start, they lock. 
so that nobody can get in to where our children are. We're also going to place screens out in the hallway so you as parents can actually look and see your children on a screen. They don't, I know sometimes you're going, I want to go check on my child, but I don't want them to see me. And so the way you can do that is we're going to have a, a TV screen that'll show each classroom so that you can actually walk up and see your child in that classroom and know how they're doing. The, the, the other thing that we're doing is uh, we're building a special needs, uh, a larger special needs room. Here's what we know. We know that the special needs community is a big community, and they are a lonely community, and they need community, and they need a place where their children can be ministered to and mom and dad can be ministered to. And so we're broadening our, our, our uh, special needs ministry. We'll keep the room we have, which is a little bit small, and we're building a room that's at least four times as big as the one that's uh, where we have right now. It'll have all the, all the stuff. It'll have places for them, uh, the, the different kinds of walls, the, the tech, tactile walls so that they can touch and feel and calm themselves. There'll be a corner that has a place where they can, uh, if they need to rest and just kind of gather themselves, there'll be a place for that. There's, we're building chairs into walls. We're doing all kinds of things in that room uh, to make our special needs uh, children, first of all, feel valued, seen, and cared for. And not only the children, but their parents, because their parents need us. That community needs us. So here's what I'm asking of you. I'm asking you to, when you go to give, Victory Hamilton Mill, there's a slot on there where you can give to the building fund. And I'm asking you to give to the building fund. And as you give to the building fund, those dollars will go to strengthen and to uh, uh, rebuild and redesign our children's area to build out this special needs spaces and to give our kids a place where when they walk in, here's my heart, when your children walk into this children's area, I want them to go, this is for me. You know why? Because when they feel that, you won't have to drag them to church. They'll drag you to church. They'll drag you to church. Now listen, there are families literally that have come to our church and when they left, they were looking for a new church and when they left, their kids said, this is my church. I don't know where you're going to church, mom and dad, but this is where I'm going to go to church. Yeah, come on. So when you see uh, Nick back there with his hair all crazy, he's doing it because he loves your kids. When you see Pastor Ben, he's doing it because he loves your kids. I sat across the table with a dad the other day and he said he was talking to his daughter and she was telling him all these things that she had learned. And he goes, where did you learn this? She's like, dad, me and Pastor Ben, we're close. We talk all the time. He teaches me stuff all the time. I wanna hear hundreds of those stories. So, Let's give and let's build this, this section of our building out so that our kids are able to come in, know it's for them. We build a special needs space out for them uh, so that our special needs families have a place to bring their, their children and also to come and be ministered to every day. Would you give with us today on that? Come on. We're already in process of building it, so give today. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're starting a new series called Church Face. 
And uh, Church Face is, is, like I said at the very beginning, it's a place where we don't want to come in and put on a facade. We want to actually come in where, and make sure that the outside of our lives is congruent with the inside of our lives. And so, but many times we put on this church face, uh, and we're going to talk about that today and this over the next uh, few weeks. We're going to talk about what that looks like. So you can take your Bibles out. How many of you have your Bibles? Yes. Open your Bibles to John chapter 20. If you have your physical Bibles, open your Bibles to John chapter 20. If you're looking on your uh, phones or, or iPads, uh, turn to John chapter 20, and uh, we're going to start there. And as you're turning, I'm going to pray. Father, thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for what you did during this past Easter weekend. Thank you for the 36 children who now know you, Jesus. I thank you for the many who know you, God. And I thank you for the 64 adults who gave their hearts to Jesus for the very first time this, over the past weekend. Lord, I thank you that there are 90 plus people who are now not going to hell, but are now connected back to the Father and have relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Father, I pray for today. Lord, I pray that you would teach us, empower us, strengthen us, give us boldness and courage to live as an open-hearted people before you and before one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. At the beginning of this year, we started a journey called Emancipating Greatness. And in this journey, we're, we're talking about what it looks like to live confidently and who God made us to be. What does that look like? In the next year, in 2022, it's going to be a year of expansion. We're going to plant a campus. We're going to see the expansion of victory going outward a whole lot. We've got lots of things that we're working on behind the scenes for those types of things. But this year, this year is a year where we are on a journey as a whole church. And the journey is to get healthy inside. Turn to your neighbor and go, let's get healthy. It's a place where we need to get healthy because here's what we know, that a seed reproduces after its own kind. It doesn't determine does it reproduce, it reproduces. But if it's unhealthy, it'll reproduce a lack of health. If it's healthy, it'll reproduce health. And so we're wanting to not just expand and grow and see victory go outward. We're wanting to see victory go outward in a healthy way because we know that we'll also bring and yield the fruit of health. And so as you saw in the video, it's, a, it's, it's kind of the way life is sometimes. Can we all acknowledge that life is a mess sometimes? Yeah? Life is a mess sometimes. And here's the thing that we know over this last year, that life hasn't been a mess for some people. It's been a mess for all of us. It's been a mess in various different ways. And so what we want to say is we're, we want to see a church that goes back to its original design, where people go back to their original design. And we see a church where it goes from being, a church shifted somewhere along the way from being a place where the hurting and broken could come and get healthy and whole to a place where all the healthy people gather together and celebrate together. And we want church to be a place where those who are healthy can give health to the people who come in. A place where those who are not healthy can come in and find health. A place where people can come and be authentic and be real. They can celebrate together and they can mourn together. The scripture tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to grieve and mourn with those who mourn. And all those things can exist in the same person in the same room together. And so, uh, but what happens when we come to church and all we see are people who have it all together? Anybody ever come to church and think, man, I'm the only one in here that's a mess? Come on, raise your hands. Raise them high. Look, hold them up. I want you to hold them up. I want you to look around. 
If you feel that way, you are not alone in that feeling. And so we have one of two choices. We can come in or we can leave, which a lot of people do. They go, these people, they have it all together and I'm a mess and I don't have it all together. And I don't fit in with that crowd. Or they start pretending. They start acting like I've got it all together. I'm gonna start saying these, these words like, I don't live by fear, I live by faith. We're gonna start saying all these Christianese type sayings. Why? Because we just wanna fit in. But when we lay our head down at night and the tears roll down our face and we don't have it all together and now we've built this community that is built on this facade that's built on this like, I've got it together. I'm the person you can come to. I'm the person that's got, got things to share with you. And inside we know we're a mess. Today, I wanna give you permission to be a mess. Jesus said his harshest words to the people who had it all together. He said, you are whitewashed tombs filled with dead men's bones. You worship me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. They were a mess, but yet they had it all together. So here's what happens when people who don't have it all together and they know they don't have it all together and they're willing to acknowledge they don't have it all together and they come into church, they either have to leave or conform. But by conforming, they don't heal. They put on their church face. Now, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands because I know there's some people in here today that fought on the way to church. Everybody's like, there's a nervous laugh in the room. How does he know? Because Sherry and I have fought on the way to church before. We have fought on the way to church so many times that we don't even drive to church together. <laughs> you are the pastor. You care about marriage. I do. That's why we don't drive together. Because listen, we have a different definition of time, being on time. We really do. We have a different definition of what that means. Here's the way it works in our house. When I have something to do, like if I'm speaking or I have something I have to do, being on time means being 30 minutes early. I like to come in, yes, Lord, that's my brother somewhere in this room. He's like, yeah. It's like show up 30 minutes early and just kind of make sure everything's good and we're rolling into this day, right? Being on time for Sherry means showing up in the parking lot. If you were supposed to be there at nine o'clock, it's 8.59.59. I'm on time. Technically, yes. But morally, you're late. So we don't drive to church together, and that's for real. Now, sometimes we do. We really do. But just through the years, we just learned, hey, you know what? We're going to be much happier together this afternoon. If you drive your car and I drive mine, I can be early and you can be on time. And so, uh, but many of you came in today and you, you fought on the way to church. Can I just say something? You're normal. You're normal. 
Why? Because you're a male and a female trying to do the same thing at the same time and you have different views about what that looks like. But you're normal. You're not broken, but you came in a mess and so you're fighting in the car, you're like, and then you get out of the car and it's like, ding. (laughs) We have it all together. And we walk in and we act like we have it all together. I was talking to somebody the other day. They actually said to me, hey, can I talk to you for just a second? And I said, sure. And they said, hey, the other day you asked me how I was doing and I kind of gave you the stiff arm. And I was like, oh, really? And they're like, yeah, I'm sure you felt that. I said, well, actually, I didn't feel that, but it's okay. And they said, yeah, and it just bothered me because something was going on, but I, I, I just, I didn't know what to say in the moment. And so they came back and they said, but here's something that's important to me. I don't, I don't want there to be this. I want you to know. And so I'm sorry for putting on, they didn't say it in these words, but they, I'm sorry for putting on the church face. And I said, well, what's going on? They, they shared with me real quick. And I said, okay, great. Let's pray. I don't have an answer for you. I don't know the reason why all those things are happening in your life. I don't know. But let's go to the one that does. And so I can at least pray for you. And I prayed for this person and they went on their day, but I just respected them so much because they came in and said, I don't have it all together. I'm like, great. Church faces, when we put up a good front, a mask, a facade, it's where we hide who we really are and what we're really going through. A facade is this, by definition, it's an outward appearance that is maintained to conceal a less pleasant or less credible reality. It's a place where we don't want people to really see and know. Why? Because we're afraid if you really see and you really know, then you won't respect me, you won't accept me, you'll reject me, you'll push me off to the side. Especially in our society today where we have such a heavy cancel culture The cancel culture does not only exist outside the church. The cancel culture exists way heavy inside the church. And we see people spiraling. And they can't get real because they're not sure that they'll be accepted. And so they spiral to their death alone spiritually. Let it not be so here. If you're a mess, you're among good company. If you don't have it all together, great, none of us do. There's not one human alive that does. I remember years ago, I was going through what I would consider one of the darkest seasons of my life. If you were to look on the outside of my life, my life was perfect. I was making more money than I had ever made. I had respect. I had all kinds of stuff in my favor. I have a beautiful family. I lived in a beautiful home. I drove the car that I liked. I had everything on the outside looked great. But on the inside, I was dying every day. And I would show up and I would die with a smile on my face. I would show up reaching my hand to help somebody else. As as I was doing it, I was spiraling internally to my own death. Internally, internally, so much so that Sherry couldn't even recognize me as her husband anymore. 
And I remember one day, she's referenced this a time or two, and one day we'll tell you the whole story. But there was this day where she found a young man who had committed suicide, and as he laid there, and all the, all the first responders are there, and they're just doing their job and doing their part. She was talking to one of the first responders, and she said, I know this isn't the worst you've ever seen, but how do you deal with this? And his response to her was, ma'am, we desensitize and we depersonalize, and we just do our job. And that statement hit me so hard. A couple weeks later, I was talking to her on the phone and it hit me and I went, I'm a spiritual first responder. And as a pastor, sometimes I can get compassion fatigue. And so the way that we handle it is we desensitize and we depersonalize. This police officer came back around to her and said, but ma'am, you know, that question you asked me, she... He said, it's oftentimes hard to resensitize and repersonalize. Why? Because through the facades, through the, all the different things, we shut our hearts down. We turn our hearts off. We turn compassion off. We turn empathy off. We turn other perspectives off. And I remember being in such a desperate place as a highly respected leader in a highly respected organization, not just in our city, but globally. I sat at the top of this organization. I had everything you could hope for. Yet, I'm dying. And I remember one day I sat with a friend 20 plus years ahead of me, and I thought, okay, he's probably felt this before. He's probably been through something like this before, so I'm, he is a congregant, but he is my friend. He's a very close friend. And I remember sitting down with him over lunch and we said our niceties and we went about our, you know, just normal greeting type conversation. And then he said, how are you doing? And I said, well, honestly, I'm not doing well. I'm really not doing well. He said, well, what's going on? And I said, I have these feelings and I don't know where they come from and they scare me. I have these feelings inside of myself that are, I'm a pastor, I can't feel these things. I have these feelings going on inside of me. I don't know what to do with them. I don't know where they're coming from. I mean, I can say it's the enemy and I know it's the enemy, I do know that, but, but I don't even know, you would think I would know how to deal with this, but I don't. I could help somebody else, but I don't know how to deal with it myself. And he said, well, what's going on? And I said, I'm ashamed to say this. I love my wife. I love my family. I love my job. I love my life. When I step outside of myself and I can look back and look at my life, I go, that's what I've always hoped for. But now that I'm here, <laughs> I'm dying. And he said, well, what do you mean? And I said, I have this feeling. There's nothing going on in my life, but I have this feeling. I wanna leave my family. I wanna leave my job. I wanna leave everything that I know about this life. I wanna disappear from this, and I want to reemerge 
and just start my life over. I don't even know that's a dark place. That's a feeling that I didn't know what to do with. Some of you may, may feel that. I felt shame. I felt condemnation. I felt all kinds of things. I felt like a failure. I felt all kinds of things that would wash over me. Here was something that was difficult for me in that moment. The guy, when I said this to him, he went, you're going to do what? I said, no, 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 no. I didn't say I'm going to do anything. I'm saying I have all this stuff going on inside of me and I don't know what to do with it. He goes, I can't believe that you're thinking that. So what did I do? Yeah, I'm probably just not feeling great today. And I pulled it all back in and put the face up. The tension went out of the conversation and we went on and had just kind of a a lunch. I didn't know what to do with that. And here's what I know. I know that if I felt that as a pastor, you feel that every day. People feel that every day. They feel it every day. And as we've gone through the, the, the season that we've gone through, We don't know how to deal with all the things that we feel because life is different. But here's the thing that God wants us to know. God wants our outsides to match our insides. He wants our lives to be lived open-heartedly with people and with him. He wants us to live openly, even when we're a mess. I was a mess. Why are you telling us this story, Pastor? We need you to be perfect. Because I want you to know there is not a perfect one. There's only one. His name is Jesus, not Randy. Only one. The question is, as we've walked through this year or this past year, you don't need me to recite the year. It was a difficult year. We saw people here last weekend who, had, who came into this building for the very first time in over a year. We saw tears streaming down their face because they're like, <gasps> it was almost like air to them to come back together in the body. You don't need me to recite the last year. But here's what we know. Everything changed and all of us were impacted. All of us were impacted in various ways. What we used to be able to count on, we can't count on anymore. The future looks different. The future is unknown to us. Our whole ways of life have changed. There were moms who used to send their kids to school. Now they're the teachers. There were dads and moms who would get ready in the morning and go to work. And now they sit with their screens behind them with the face that looks at their family like, shut up, I'm going to kill you. We don't even, here's one of the things that has been so difficult. We don't even know how to go to church now. This is so difficult for me as I stand at the door every week and we come out and here's what it is. Boop. How do we, I greet you now. Can I hug you? Can I not hug you? 
Can I fist bump you? And you have people that you offer the fist and they give you the elbow. (laughs) Just so you know, the fist is further away. (laughs) Just so you know. But whatever. If you come up to me and you're open, I'll hug you. You know why? You need to be hugged. And I need to be hugged. We need it. How we view money, work, being with people, our relationships, our friendships, work-home balance, how we view stress, how we view fun, how we view vacation, school, church, all of it has been changed. Every single bit of it has been changed. But this isn't the first time that people have gone through difficult things. And last weekend, we'd look at, we always look at Easter through the, through the lens of the resurrection. We look at it through this lens of Jesus was triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. He, was, he died and bore the weight of our sins. He buried. He was raised again. And we celebrate the resurrection, and very much so should do so. But for the disciples, I want you to think about it as the disciples. The week we call Passion Week, the week from when Jesus enters into the city of Jerusalem, the triumphal entry, to the, resurrect, or to the, to the crucifixion. I want you to imagine this week with me really quick. Here, here are the disciples. They come in on Monday. Jesus is riding in on a donkey and people are laying their, their cloths down so that the donkey can walk over, uh, over puddles of water on dry land and they're waving palm branches and they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. The disciples are walking around going, this is cool. We are with the man. And then they leave that moment and they go to the next day and you start seeing miracles and all these different things that Jesus does. He cleanses the temples. He starts teaching and sharing parables all over the place. Jesus starts his ministry and they're like, this is what we signed up for. And then Thursday comes. Here's Thursday. It's in John chapter 20. I mean, in Matthew chapter 26, you can see the whole story. But in Matthew chapter 26, We see Jesus gathered together in the upper room, having the last supper with his disciples. This is the moment where he's predicting his death. This is the moment where he's having this intimate dinner with the closest to him. They're talking real. No church face. No holding it all together. And so they come into this moment and Jesus says, I'm going to die I'm going to die. He predicts his death at the very beginning of Matthew chapter 26. They're like, hold on. We can't mess this thing up, Jesus. This is a good thing we got going right now. I mean, people are celebrating us when we come into town. Are you kidding? We got to keep this going, Jesus. He's going, I'm dying. He has the first communion where he takes a piece of bread and he goes, he breaks it. He said, this is my body. It's broken for you. And he takes the cup of wine and he says, this is my blood poured out for you. Every time you do this, remember. Remember this moment, guys. Remember this moment where we're talking about my death. Then they go, hold on now. 
Well, then who's going to be the greatest among us? And he kneels down and he starts washing their feet and saying, the greatest among you will be the servant. And by the way, one of you is going to betray me. (laughs) Is it you? They start looking at each other like, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Who's going to do this? They leave this intimate moment and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane where his closest friends fall asleep while he prays. And he has that moment of the weight of the sins of the world bearing down on him and he's trying to work with the father to go, is there a different way than this? And the father's going, basically, no. As we learned last week, why? Because sin, blood, covers sin. And Jesus didn't wanna just cover sin, he wanted to be the sacrifice once and for all to obliterate sin. This is the moment where it's about to shift for them. Jesus prays and he prays in such intensity, his his sweat turns to blood and then he wakes his his friends up and they start leaving. And as they're starting to leave, they see the torches coming through the trees held by the Roman soldiers. They were coming to arrest Jesus. And all of a sudden, when they come out and they can see everybody, they're like, Judas? Judas? Is that you? You're one of us, man. What are you doing? The betrayal, the disappointment, the what is happening right now? They arrest Jesus and the disciples flee. They get interrogated themselves. In fact, there was a young girl at the, at, at, at the trial that comes up to Jesus and goes or, uh, to Peter and go, weren't you with him? And he's like, oh, no, I wasn't with him. All of a sudden we go from triumphal entry, celebration, we're celebrities, we were the man, to no, I don't know him. The trial happens, we know the story. We, we shared it last week. Jesus is crucified. He's buried in a tomb and John is standing there. The disciples are watching the Messiah crucified. They're watching him. They're watching him get crucified in this moment and John is standing there with his mom as they beat him and scourged him and spit on him nailed him to the cross. He's standing there with the mother of Jesus. This is a moment. This was a lot. This last four or five days for the disciples was a lot. We can say for us this last year, it's been a lot. It's been a whole lot. So then the disciples On Saturday, we don't hear much about Saturday, but the disciples were afraid for their own life, and so they are hidden away, and they're grieving, and they're mourning, and they're sad. They saw Jesus die. They saw the one that they're following. They saw him die. It's over. But what just happened? What now? So they're holed up in this room because they're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid that that's gonna happen to them. And then all of a sudden, 
Jesus appears to them. All of the sudden, Jesus appears to him. But I want to say for that Saturday, there was something that was taking place. I don't know what was going on. We don't see a lot written about it from their perspective, but I can just only imagine. There's this moment where they're going, one of our own betrayed us. The one who walked closely with Jesus and with us, how long had he been doing this? How did we not see that? How did we not know that? How long? And they see this moment. They're grieving. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And many of us right now, in this season of life that we live in, we need to do what the disciples needed to do in that moment, which was pause and to take inventory of our heart. We've been through a lot. There's loss and grief and death and fear. We don't even know how to greet each other anymore. We've had to say goodbye to people that we weren't ready to say goodbye to. We've lost proms and graduation ceremonies. We've lost any sense of normalcy. How's that impacted you? I'm not talking about the church face version of impact. I'm talking about how's that really impacted you? How's it impacted your heart? How's it impacted your relationship with the people around you? How's it impacted your view of God, your relationship with God? How's it impacted you? We have to stop. We have to pause. We have to ask this question. Where have we been impacted? Where's the bleeding? What's been bruised? You ever had a bruise show up on your body and you're like, where did that come from? And it's sore and it hurts and you touch it and it's like, oh, I want to give attention to that. But I don't even remember that happening. Anybody ever had that happen? We've all had that happen somewhere along the way. And in the day we bump into something or something bumps into us and we don't even know we've been bruised yet. It's until we're able to stop and we kind of, oh, oh, wait a minute. I don't even remember. How did that even happen? We're trying to figure out how it happened. That's what we have to do. We have to understand we've been bruised in some ways over this past year. And here's what we want to do as a church. We want to heal from it. We don't want to just move on in Jesus' name. We want to come to Jesus and allow him to heal us so we can move on in Jesus' name. In John chapter 20, we see where Jesus shows himself to the disciples for the first time. And I want you to imagine this. Here's Jesus. He's in this moment. He just shows up. The Bible doesn't say he knocks on the door. The Bible doesn't even say he opens the door. The Bible says he appeared to the disciples. And I can imagine them going, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I can't even believe what I'm seeing. What are you talking about? Jesus, this is you. And the first thing he says to them, peace, peace. It's okay, guys. Peace. Peace. I come in peace. 
Here's what John 20, verses 19 and 20 say, if you can look in your Bibles. Since that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. He spoke. He showed, his, showed them his wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. I want you to look at what he did. He walked, he appears to them, and he speaks to them. Hey, guys, peace to you. Peace. I come in peace. They're like, what's happening? I can't even believe he's standing here. Oh, my gosh. And he didn't come in leading with his divinity. He came in leading with his humanity. He came in like this. Here are my wounds. Right here. See him? This, it's me. You can touch him if you want to. You can touch him if you need to. Jesus showed up with his humanity on full display in this moment. His scars were a reminder that he suffered in his humanity even though he was divine. That's what his scars were showing. And we have a divine experience and a human experience just like Jesus did. Both are real. We can have faith and oh my gosh, what's going on? In the same moment. But oftentimes we put on the facade and it's all good in Jesus' name. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I am blessed and highly favored of God. All true. But the question is, is that how you feel? We come in with our church faces on. Jesus came in with his hands open. Wounded. 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 He didn't walk in and say, hey guys, look, I'm God. Yeah. You know what I just did? I just went to hell. And I took back what is ours. He didn't lead with that. He didn't come in declaring his victory. He came in. Here are the wounds. They are real. You know what he's saying to the disciples? You have wounds and they're real. You know what he's saying to us? We have wounds and they're real. We have a savior that cares about our hurt. Hebrews 4 says, so then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. He understands humanity. For as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way just as we are and conquered sin. So now we draw near freely and boldly to where grace is enthroned, to receive mercy's kiss and to discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our times of weakness. It's time for us to pause and take inventory. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask our altar ministry team to come down. And as we do this, I want you to take just a moment. Come on down, guys. Every weekend, 
We worship. We hear the word. We respond to the word and we pray. But so often when we're praying, we just hold up the church face and we stand there like this. Why? Because we want to be strong. I am strong. I am Thor. No more church face. It's not necessary. It's not needed. It's not even wanted. If you're broken, bruised, wounded, hurt, confused, fearful, uncertain, you're in good company. A lot of us feel that way. And by feeling that way, what we are not saying is that we don't have faith in Jesus. Think about the disciples for a moment. They walked with him, they touched him. They ate with him. Yet in this moment, they're afraid. They don't know what's happening. They don't know what the future looks like. It's all uncertain to them. Are we gonna just put it together? Nothing really happened, guys. We're all good. Are they gonna come in and say, man, that was rough. <laughs> that was really rough. I said goodbye to my dad this year. That was rough. Some of you said goodbye to people. this alone put it all together it's not what Jesus paid for so we're going to take a few minutes you just to stand kneel whatever and I want to take inventory just take inventory where have you been hurt where you've been impacted, where you've been wounded, where you've been bruised. Jesus wants to heal you. <laughs> he is not bothered by your mess. People sometimes are, but Jesus is not. So will you stand with me? And I want us just in this moment to take this inventory. And if you want somebody to pray for you, we're here to pray for you. You don't have to have it together. We already know you don't. But we would love to pray with you. So as 
Pastor Jeremy leads us in this song. You can make your chair an altar. You can come up here to the altar. You can receive prayer. Let's take inventory. We are not God, but we have a real need for God. The earlier we can recognize that, the better life will really be. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, this year's been a lot, God. So God, we come to you we can't make sense of it all and it may not even matter that we're able to. But God, man, sometimes we don't understand the pain, the difficulty, the suffering. But Jesus, you were acquainted with our pain and you sympathize with us. And you made a way for us to come. Messy wounded and broken into the presence of an almighty God where we find grace and we find mercy and we find healing and we find hope and we find safety Jesus thank you I take off my church face Would you reconcile the inside and the outside of me, God? In Jesus' name.